That's all the time too. Hi, this is Roberta Fallon, and I'm here today at the galleries of Moore College radio station with Jose Ortiz Pagan. Hi, Hi. Jose. Hello, Roberta. How are you? I'm fine, and you? I'm great. Good. You had a good Labor Day. Did you labor I did. or no, not? No, thank God. <laughs> I rested, and it was beautiful weather. Yeah. I couldn't complain about it, anything. Um, so I'm here today to talk to you about several things. You are an artist, yes. a graduate of Tyler. Mm -hmm. um, was that undergrad or grad? Grad school. Grad school, MFA, um, in sculpture and printmaking, print so both. And you have a show. You are the exhibition coordinator at uh, Fleischer Art Memorial. That's right. Manager. Yeah. Manager and of the exhibition space. Uh, space says there's many there. And you also right now you've shown your work around town at House Gallery and elsewhere, I believe. Yes, uh, various places. Uh -huh. um, Napoleon, since ah. I was a member the first two years. I have also been around Brandywine Workshop, which I work there also as a printer and have as well curated some exhibitions there as well. Right, and you curated an exhibit that's in the unlisted art yeah. fair at yeah. the crane right now, yes. And the closing actually is next week on the 8th, and that was that was a great experience as well. Yeah, that's two days from now. Yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yes, everybody, go to that closing. If you haven't seen Unlisted yet, it's a wonderful wonderful show um, slash art fair. Um, so, but you also have work now in Raxo Gallery, which mm -hmm. is a new Latino art gallery on Passionk Avenue in South Philly. So let's focus on what you've got up that people can actually see of your work sure. right now. And that show, I believe, is up to the 15th of the month, is that, do you Get know? extended actually to the end of the month. Oh, great, extended so to the end of September. Yes, okay. last week of September. So that's great. That's right. Yeah. Good news. It is good news. Um, it's a beautiful space. It's a wonderful yeah. uh, space to show art. And your sculpture, hybrid sculptural prints, yeah. look wonderful there. Thank so you. So you work with, you have worked, and I think most of the work except for a drawing or two, mm -hmm. is images engraved onto steel. Yes. Steel plates. Now, I want to hear why steel and they're very beautiful they have that rusty patina to them okay. into which you've carved and etched and painted images that are a little bit they're symbolic yes they seem like they're symbols and it's a little spare so it really shows off the steel with these objects and and other things so can you tell me why first of all you chose the material steel yeah sure um, well, to give you a little bit of context, I grew up in south part of Puerto Rico in a small town called Guayama. It was a very industrial town. And it was funny because every time we went biking around the, the forest, we will came across like these vast structures that we didn't quite understand what they were doing there or what purpose they had. But most of the time they were made out of steel and they were rusty and, and, and decaying and they were on the roads or yeah, in the fields? Yeah, roads, fields, all over. Were they like and barriers or what were they? Machinery. Oh, machinery. Some kind of machinery that we couldn't, you know, we didn't know what it was at the time. But, I, you know, that whole aesthetic of, of rust decaying stayed with me for a long time. And when this happened, I was probably like 12, 15. 
But then I went to college and I was working with printmaking and, and the idea of being able to replicate an image and share an image and this democratic aspect of it. And, but at the same time, I, I, you know, one of the things that you understand as you're making art is that you are managing information, right? And information somehow becomes this currency. Um, and you have some power, right, when you make work, when you're trying to send a, a message. But sometimes, you know, that message might be constrained by the places you are located, by the places you're living in. So certain images are not necessarily going to make sense elsewhere. And at the time I was moving, you know, I moved to Philly, later on to Rome, came back. And I wanted to, to, to use something that most people could understand and without um, taking in consideration and, you know, background. No matter where you came from, you were gonna be able to understand this, and that's where I decided to go to rust. You know, rust is this thing, and steel is this material that most people are very familiarized with. So... So maybe rust is the material more than the steel, yes. in a way. Yes, and steel in a way, you know, because I come from a colony and this whole aspect about post-colonialization and, and, and post-industrialization and how it was speaking to that as well, to the structure, to the thing that was trying to be formed, but at the same time it was decaying and falling apart. And yeah. So I, but in addition to the material of steel, let's talk about the imagery. You talked mm -hmm. just a minute ago about how an artist actually crafts a story through the images, and so you, or a not story, whatever it is, yeah. you're you're like the god of the image world, <laughs> sort of, and so you have these ambiguous objects, kind mm -hmm. of. They sound like what you saw when you were a child. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Bit. But uh, you know, machine. They emulate machines or something or other, and then you have arrows, and then there are numbers. So. Talk about the actual images because I know there's a story there. There's a lot of them. I mean, I'm really interested in riddles in general, you know, and this looking at the back, and if you see anthropology, you know, we're looking back all the time at all of these riddles on, written on stone or on, on clay, and we don't necessarily know what they are. And for this project, um, this is actually part of a project that I started last year called Join or Die. And join or die, a lot of it came from that flag that Benjamin Franklin, that woodcut he made in 1754 when the French and Indian War was happening. You know, and even though this was talking about colonization in a different way, right, about being united, I wanted to take that out of context a little bit and talk about the figure or, or the breaking of the figure of, in that case, a snake, but the breaking of the figure in, in, as a way to send a message. And for this exhibition, while, while I was actually going back to that Benjamin Franklin image, at the same time I was thinking in these two different political murders that happened, one in Mexico and one in Puerto Rico. And I was really interested in this of breaking the, the body, breaking the image, you know, and Russ gives me that. Once I'm working on top of a plate, on top of, of a steel block, I'm able to do the symbols, but breaking at the same time. For instance, in the situation of Mexico and Puerto Rico, in both situations, students were massacred. So 
a lot of it has to do with police brutality. So people are constantly right following instructions. So I was really interested in the image of the instructable, right? So I started working with these concrete sculptures that somehow um, resemble like a security barrier, but also sometimes also it seemed to be like a coffin. So for this exhibition at Raxo, I was really interested in breaking down this 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 structure as, as well at the same time. And I started working with this aesthetic that all of it, like you say, had arrows, and it seemed like it could come apart at any time, but at the same time it's very mysterious because suddenly you have vultures flying around, and then you have um, constellations. And the whole thing about the constellation for me in situations like this is that when we have um, you know, sad situations like the one that I was describing, we never really think about the repercussions of those in a bigger picture, right? And, and not only because they happen and they are sad, but also because somehow we all affect what, how that happens. For instance, the situation in Mexico with the 43 disappeared students was very, you know, it all, it's all part somehow of NAFTA and free trade agreements. Mm -hmm. So that's part of the things that I wanted, want to talk about through that process, through that image. And at the same time, talk about time which a constellation allows me to do that, but also talk about space, and that's why I, I use things like coordinates and very simple symbology that somehow also can, can lure people to learn more about the image, right? Somehow I'm giving them this like start, so it's almost like a path that I'm allowing people to follow. Yeah, but it's it's also like one of those ancient stone tablets mm -hmm. that people, like the mm -hmm. colonists, uh, colonizers would find in Egypt yeah. or Mesopotamia, and they don't know what it means. Yeah. And so it's interesting to me that you have this very um, sad story behind mm -hmm. them because they they do look sad. Mm -hmm. um, to describe them, there are four large steel panels, maybe four, four by four, four by four. So they have kind of an industrial mm -hmm. scale to them. They're large and they lean against the wall. So they're not placed on the wall like a piece of art. They almost feel like markers, mm -hmm. like graveyard markers mm -hmm. or like these ancient stone tablets yeah. or, you know, metal tablets that have a secret code on them to memorialize something. Yeah, and they have that feeling, you know, when, when I have the, the steel um, plates or slabs, how I like to call them in my studio, you know, living with them for a while before even touching them was really significant, you know, having this object invade my space and the heaviness of it, right? Yeah, how heavy are they? Because they look really uh, heavy. Like 200 pounds 200 each. 200 pounds yes. each. So you can't lift that by yourself. No, I can no. drag them around my studio. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> but as I was working, you know, the whole process, even though I was working with this subject that is really heavy, the work itself is heavy, there was some beauty to it. And there was the crafting of the image, the image of the vulture that I've been working now for, for a couple of months and how I'm interested also in how do we um, deal with death, right? And how vultures, even though they are considered this violent and or, or 
or sad animals somehow actually help us going through that process, right? Somehow they are the ones that devour corpses that, that somehow digest all that process in a way. So it was it was beautiful to have that all happening. So do you think of yourself as an activist? I mean, I'm hearing some anger maybe behind the scenes at the brutality <laughs> against the students and, you know, the colonial yeah. situation that Puerto Rico is in. Completely. I mean, I, I think I, I identify myself as an activist, and I have always done so, you know, since I was in college. I mean, I've been victim of police brutality, and a lot of it has, you know, is presented in my work. At the same time, my grandfather was a police himself. So, and a lot of friends, of course, and family members, so we always have this other discussions around it, right, about... Also, yeah, I understand why police brutality happens, but also the b bigger conversation. The conversation has to be pushed a little bit to how police also somehow is being pushed to solve issues they didn't create it or they shouldn't be responsible for it. Yeah, they can't clean up the schools, for example, or fund exactly. the schools. Yeah. So who are we blaming? Who are we looking at when we do that? So, so you brought up your family. Excuse me for interrupting. So let, let's okay. get into that a little bit. You were born in Puerto Rico. Yeah. And how, when did you come to um, Philadelphia, let's say? Well, I grew up there. I did my undergrad there where I was trained as a printmaker. And before that, when I was a teenager, I was into graffiti and skateboard. Ah. So it was like anarchist graffiti, anti-fascist. That's kind of like uh, symbols and cryptic yes, messages a lot on of walls. It. I mean, I, I grew up in the punk rock scene there. So a lot of the imagery or, or ideas that come to my work um, started growing up there. Like I said, I grew up in the south part of the island, very industrial city. Um, my family you know, came from the country back in the days into the city. And after that, actually, after 19 years, I was able to move to the capital, San Juan. And I wasn't actually going to be an artist. I started no. as an economist. What? <laughs> but. Was that um, by your own choice, or yes, did the family I was, sort of I was, steer you? I mean, it was uh, they were present. At the time, I didn't quite understood that I could be an artist, a full-time artist. So when I started hanging out with artists, and I was like, I found my tribe, and I think this is what I have to do. So I switched paths. And, and then I decided to come to Philadelphia to pursue my master's. And as part of that program, I went to Rome, but then came back. And it was, f it was hard at first to get used to things. I, I mean, I still feel I'm getting used to. To Philadelphia? Yeah, but I love Philly. And then I fell in love and all of the above. And I have a really good career here as an artist and also as a curator as well. So, so let's talk about how this work, which is in a gallery in Philadelphia, would um, be received in Puerto Rico, if it was there, I would think there would be immediately more, um, but maybe not, understanding of what you're trying to get at, especially if it was in your hometown, this very industrial city. Sometimes. Sometimes. You know, it's like every other thing or every other city. There's a trend. There's a... Whether we like it or not, there's always a hierarchy of things. 
and I might not. They might love it. They might like it. They might un completely understand it. They might understand it, but not love it necessarily. Sometimes, actually, at the time that I left Puerto Rico, even though I was producing a lot of work, I wasn't necessarily happy with my work, but also the feedback I was getting wasn't necessarily what I was looking for. And some work is more successful there. Some work more work is more successful here. Um, but sometimes it depends, even though I'm talking about specific, specifically about something about that is going on right there and talks about the the aspect that we're a colony. You know, I'm, I'm following also my own path and not necessarily following others, so that's always, you know, mm -hmm. it's not always welcome. But that doesn't necessarily mean that people don't appreciate it. A lot of people do. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about your curating at uh, the Icebox in Unlisted, mm -hmm. because curating is sort of activist in mm -hmm. a way. You select proactively yep. the imagery that you want to put mm -hmm. out into the world. And talk, I know you have Grimaldi Baez mm -hmm. and with the machine, yes. right? So talk about that a little bit and mm -hmm. then the other artists And Mark Martinez. Mm -hmm. So both artists I've been working um, with for a while, especially with Grimaldi. We have been, I've been curating his shows for three years now. We have been doing different projects and I am very interested in how he 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 takes on, on makeshift things, right? And expands the conversation about things such as like religion, education, and how inventive he is uh, at the time of discussing these things, you know. For the student desk, this was a piece that we were talking about while it he was creating it. You know, and we bounce ideas. I remember going to his studio, and he, he, he works like a hurricane. You know, his studio is always full of stuff, and, and I got in. It's like you have to clear the stuff. I don't know. And at the time, we were working on his thesis show, and I, and he told me, I don't think I'm ready. And he was like, You have it here. Like this desk is amazing. I think, you know, you should just keep concentrated on what you're doing and. And the politics of it, at the time also he moved to Italy too, to do a year there, and he was really interested in fascist education mm. and pamphlets, and how can he could contrast that with what is going on here in Philadelphia, for instance, with education, but also the fact that he was going to an educational institution at the time, and what he was or not happy about it as, as well. Yeah, let's let's describe this for people who haven't seen it yet. It, it is a student it's desk. It's a student desk with a tattoo machine that is actually breaking the paper of this fascist pamphlet from the 40s. Italian one, even though the one he's using just have images about how to draw um, things like Virgin Mary or a soldier. So it's super interesting in how he breaks that, right? How the iconography of that image would break with so many things and how upfront it is. And not only the, the piece itself, but the sound. The sound is very present in yes. the space. And, and it's it bothers you, yes. right? It is, it's it's it, very fast and repetitive and uh, This makeshift tattoo annoying. machine going mm -hmm. and going and going and going. And also the cables are part of the installation, so the machine itself is connected to this wire that goes around the room, you know. And I was really interested in the 
icon of the student desk against Mark's installation, which talks about this aesthetic of, of, of corner stores, but also opportunities in, in, in other neighborhoods, for instance, like North Philadelphia, right? So how do we, I mean, I was really interested in facing these two aesthetics, you know, and talk about opportunities in a place like that in Philadelphia. You have the the corner store aesthetic, which is one of the main business models in North mm -hmm. Philadelphia, you know, and the politics that happen within this space, you know, food, um, why these people are, are, you know, have these businesses that are, that work in such a specific way in which interaction is being all the time divided by different materials such as wood, such as plexiglass, and why this happens. Um, you know, and we, you know, I couldn't ignore things like Fairhill School closing, or Julia de Burgos School closing. So I think it was a, and, and the fact that the exhibition itself is happening on American Street, which it was a place for a lot of Latino immigrants back in the days and still today, and this was the place where they used to work. Right, it was an industrial corridor. Yeah, mm -hmm. and the fact that it's American Street. So not to ignore also the fact that this exhibition is happening within the context that I'm talking about, which is North Philadelphia. So it was a great opportunity to have them there, both of them expanding this conversation. And also, you know, both of them are Latino artists with very different stories and very different backgrounds. And I was really interested in having them for the first time, you know, sharing this conversation. So. It was great, you know. Is there critical mass of are there a critical mass of Latino artists in Philadelphia? So you feel like you have a community that you there is, and it's growing. I feel it has been growing. Um, for instance, just recently, a friend of mine that we went to school together in Puerto Rico just moved recently here because he's working on a mural project, um, Diego Romero, and. People that I've known, people that I'm just knowing now, um, like Anthony Romero, who just moved from Chicago and curated part of, of this exhibition, which is amazing. So it's growing and, and it's very exciting, I think. I mean, how gallery. do you know him from Chicago? We I met him through the show, uh. actually. And also people like Henry Bermudez that I met through House Gallery, and they are doing amazing projects. Um, 719 building, for instance, there are artists there like Alexis Nutini, like um, many of them. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. So it's growing, and I think we have a lot to say, and, and there's, a, there's a lot. It's very exciting to, to know that we are growing as an com artist community here in Philadelphia as well. And also, you know, we have a huge Latino community, so I think what we have to say about that experience is, is, is a lot. So. So are they your audience, your like best case scenario or just? No, I wouldn't like to. I think one of my goals as an artist, as an activist is to actually have a conversation across lines. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why it's so important, even for me to move here, to expand that conversation about the fact that Puerto Rico is a colony and all that happens. Just moving here for me is part of that process of creating work and expanding my conversation with people beyond that. And I think a lot of artists, Latino artists, will agree with that as well. 
I think we should have just a bigger conversation because it's what I'm, you know, what I keep talking about in my work, the repercussions of things touch everyone, you know, it touches all of us. And I think so true. I think so. I think so. Yeah. So one more piece of yours I want to talk about because I looked at your website and you. you have a very interesting, intriguing piece to me called La Bovida. Mm -hmm. Did I pronounce that okay? Yes, you did. And it looks like a game board. It's a very complicated thing. It's sitting on a table. It's red and white. And just explain what, what's going on there. So it's, it's, it's really funny. That was for a project... Um, I was supposed to have in Puerto Rico a couple of years ago, in which this exhibition was supposed to happen in a fried container. So La Boveda translates to the vault. Um, and I was really interested in how, how, you know, we are facing now one of the biggest migration exodus that Puerto Rico has had since the 50s. We're talking about 100,000 people a year. And then I wanted to talk about how people make decisions politicians, right? And what is this thing about being on the table? So one of the things I did for this piece is that I departed from domino tables. Hmm. Um, Spaniards used to say that in order to control us, we they had to offer us, or we, they had to implement the three beat rule. And three beats is Bailo Botello Baraja, which translates to bottle, like drinking, Baraja, which is gaming, and baile, which is dancing. And that's how they could control us. So it was kind of funny to have this whole thing about the game playing a really important part in this, in this installation. And also we have a, this tradition of decorating domino tables, which is a super popular game there. Actually, if you go to eBay and look <laughs> uh, Puerto Rican art, you'll have a lot of people that just custom made these domino tables and sells them. So I was like, I'm gonna, you know, this is really important for my culture, so I'm gonna depart from there, this domino table aesthetic, which I have fun because I used to work in wood shops, so I had fun building this game board with the chairs, with the entire aesthetics. And then the objective or goal of the game is to be able to escape Puerto Rico or to get to the airport. <laughs> but as you actually go through the whole island, you start, there are a couple of things that happen you come across police brutality. So if you fall in that spot, you use your dice, of course. But if you fall in that single spot, you're eliminated from the game. There are drugs. If you fall there again, you don't get to play anymore. Violence, accidents, all kinds of things in order to get to the airport. It's a total game of chance. It's, there's yes. no skill involved to get to the airport. No skill involved. And the other thing is that if you look at the West part of the island on the board game, you're gonna see someone actually getting to the shore on a raft. But that space actually doesn't connect to the game. And I wanted to talk also about Dominican immigrants mm -hmm. who cross a, a Mona Canal. Sometimes they make it, sometimes they don't. But this whole thing about the immigrant not being able to be in the table at the time of making decisions. So, so where is this piece right now? It's in Puerto Rico, actually. It's about to be in this really great exhibition in February that the University of Puerto Rico Museum is having about artists that left the island. So I'm really excited That's about very that. That's yeah. thrilling. Who else is in that show? There's a lot of people. They are doing documentary. Mm. Um, 
also a publication and then the exhibition, but people from all over, I mean. Um, yeah, there's a lot of people here. Oh my God, I, I, I'm thinking so many names, but people like Omar Velasquez, I think. Um, who else? You name it. Mm -hmm. I mean, these guys are all over. Osvaldo Boudet, that I think is in Germany. Hmm. Um, name it. Lots it's gonna of be a, yeah, yeah. It's gonna be a huge exhibition, and I'm really excited to be part of it. And also the fact that they are interviewing our each of us, you know, and taking the time. So it's super exciting. That and another piece that I call Exit that has to deal with the same issue as well. Very excellent. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you for talking with me, Jose. Sure. Thank you for inviting me. We'll see you over at Fleischer. There's a Fleischer Challenge that just opened, yes. right? It is open now. An amazing show. It opened last Friday. Cool. And very exciting show as well. So I hope you guys visit it. Cool. We will. Thank you. Thank you. Go, how